Hyde Park United Methodist in Tampa, Florida, this is The Bible Project 2020, a journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. I'm your host, Matt Hotho. Today's episode features a conversation with the Reverend Dr. John Golden Gay, Professor Emeritus of Old Testament at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. Since retiring, John and his wife Kathleen have moved to Oxford, England. An Episcopal priest and a renowned Old Testament scholar, John has written over 25 volumes, including a three-volume theology of the Old Testament and his own translation of the Old Testament entitled The First Testament. John sat down with Jill Kronz and me to discuss the books of Lamentations and Ezekiel. The conversation is a broad exploration of the themes of Ezekiel and the distinct features of Ezekiel as both a prophet and a priest. Well, hello, John. We're really pleased that you've been able to join us today to discuss Lamentations and Ezekiel. I have to ask you, though, we here at Hyde Park, we've been reading Isaiah and then Jeremiah, and those are both roughly from the same time period, and we're just starting to feel like these prophets are all saying the same thing. I'm hoping you can help us to see what is different about Ezekiel. Lightly, but you know the story about the uh, pastor who uh, kept preaching the same sermon uh, and somebody in the congregation um, said, well, we're fed up with you saying the same thing. When are you going to say something different? To which his reply was, uh, when you've taken some notes of that one, then I'll preach a different one. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But Ezekiel is different, yeah. And then also we've got Lamentations that just seems kind of plopped down here in the middle of these prophets. So I'm hoping you can help us to see how that fits into the mix too. Well, now, uh, as you say, you've been doing Ezekiel and Jeremiah, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, you've been doing Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, and they do indeed overlap um, with with Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel must have been, uh, was a contemporary of Jeremiah's, uh, I guess 20 or 30 years younger, but I like to imagine um, Ezekiel being in Jerusalem and going and hearing Jeremiah um, mm. preaching in the temple. Um, but then both of them were the victims of the Babylonian uh, conquest uh, of Jerusalem. And slightly oddly, although uh, Jeremiah was the older, uh, he was in Jerusalem for longer than Ezekiel, or to put it the other way around, although Ezekiel was taken off into exile when he was in his 20s and Jeremiah was still there. Um, And so, uh, and then it was after that that Ezekiel was called to be a prophet. So Ezekiel and Jeremiah were both ministering as prophets at the same time in that latter part of Jeremiah's ministry, but they were in two different places because Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem until the final fall of Jerusalem in 587 whereas uh, Ezekiel had already been taken off uh, to Babylon with um, some other people in 597, um, presumably because he came from a priestly family. His father was a priest in Jerusalem, uh, and when the Babylonians first um, conquered Jerusalem in 597, um, they took off key people like members of the, like the king, members of the royal family, members of the administration, priests and so on, and Ezekiel's family was evidently part of um, the, the group that were taken off into forced migration at that point. I was just going to say, so Ezekiel and Jeremiah 
are in the same time period, but seeing events happen from vastly different perspectives. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So Ezekiel is, ta- is apparently taken off into exile when he was about in his mid-twenties. Uh, and he gets called to be a prophet, it says, in, his, in, in the 30th year, which is usually assumed to, to mean the 30th year of his life, the significance of that being that 30 was the age when you became a priest. Hmm. So if he'd been back in Jerusalem, that's when he would have started um, working in the full sense, as it were, as a priest uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. But instead, what God calls him to do is to minister as a prophet amongst the exiles in Babylon. Uh, and then what, Jer- what Jeremiah and Ezekiel are both doing is, in a sense, the same, as you said just now. They're, they're doing it in slightly different ways, but they're also doing it for different reasons. Because, Jeremiah, well, both of them are um, trying to prepare people for the fact that what they might have thought was the final, fall, the, the, the only fall of Jerusalem in 597. That had already happened. Um, and people could understandably have been thinking, well, that's it then. We, we should be okay now. Mm. Well, actually, it's going to happen again. Yeah. And so both Jeremiah and Ezekiel are uh, trying to prepare people for the fact that it's going to happen again. Um, Jeremiah is preparing the people to whom it's going to happen. And indeed, ideally, is is trying to prove himself wrong. Because if they'll only take some notice of him, then it needn't happen. Right. I don't under I don't understand much about ancient Hebrew postal systems. So would the two communities, the one in exile in Babylon and the one still in Jerusalem, would they have been in contact with each other? Um, to some extent, at least. Uh, in fact, in Jeremiah, um, there's an account of a letter uh, of letters that get exchanged uh, between Jeremiah in Jerusalem and the exiles in Babylon in Jeremiah 29. It's the passage that lots of people know where it talks about, I have uh, plans for you that are, that are good and not bad uh, for your well-being. Uh, and that's all part of a correspondence between people in Jerusalem and people in, um, in Babylon. Um, but, but I imagine it was pretty expensive. I mean, you got it, you know, do you, you, unless you could slip a letter into a diplomatic bag, it's presumably pretty expensive. Um, and, and so you wouldn't be, it's not like being on WhatsApp, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> um, but, so there's some communication, and uh, and so the um, the leadership in in Jerusalem, people like Jeremiah, would have some clue as to what was going on in Babylon, and the people in Babylon would have some clue about what's going on in Jerusalem. Yeah, what Ezekiel is doing, uh, the difference between him and one major difference between him and Jeremiah is is that Ezekiel is talking to the people in Babylon but talking to them about what's going on in Jerusalem because he needs to prepare them for the fact that um, things are going to get worse before they get better. And they think they're only going to be in Babylon for a short time. He's got to convince them that they're going to be in Babylon for a long time unless those guys in back in Jerusalem get their act together. Which they're not going to do. Which they aren't. Well, which we know that they aren't going right. to do, but which um, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and anybody else will hope that they might. Because we have to think ourselves back into a context. In, we know that eventually Jerusalem did fall in 587 and the temple got destroyed. But, of course, it, it, you, uh, it's, like, it's like being on Good Friday. You don't know on Good Friday that there's going to be Easter Day. Well, you kind of do, yeah. but you don't. Ultimately. It's very different living through it um, from looking back to it in the way that we do. Okay. So Ezekiel, and, I, and 
is prophesying to the people, talking to the people in Babylon, the Jewish community in Babylon, but talking about what's going to be happening in Jerusalem. Yeah. So when you're reading Ezekiel, it's, he's always talking about what's going on in Jerusalem, and you think, what's going on? And, and, but he's, he's doing that because he needs to get the, the, the ones in Babylon to see that things are continuing to be so terrible in people's relationship with God and so on in Jerusalem. And therefore, there is, there is not going to be a quick return. So what was different about the way Ezekiel talked from Isaiah and Jeremiah? Um, well, Ezekiel came from a priestly family, from a priestly background. And Ezekiel thinks like a priest and talks like a priest. So it's as much as anything else, it's the way he expresses the message um, as uh, the, uh, rather than the content, that he's a very different kind of preacher in terms of the kind of thing that he says and the kind of way in which he portrays things. Um, and the kind of things that can most um, uh, appall him about what's going on, the kind of thing that's going on in the temple, which he would have been involved in uh, if he was a priest in Jerusalem. In, in, the, in the literature that you kind of set us ahead of time, you kind of made the argument that what sets Ezekiel apart from other prophets is his priestly background. Yes. And I was reflecting on, I want to, I mean, I love Leviticus. I love kind of the structure and order of the book of Leviticus. I've never heard anybody say, I love Leviticus. Yes. Because most people, when they start reading through the Bible, they get, they stop at Leviticus, you know, because they can't get through it. So anyway, so I was thinking about some of the themes in Leviticus, this idea of there is a yeah. sacred and there is a common, yes. and yes. you do not yes. intermingle those two. And when you do, yes fire comes out from the temple, right? And people die and bad things happen. And I wonder if that informs some of the the intensity of Ezekiel's language. Right. I mean, right, Ezekiel 16 and 23 are quick to be like, whoa, that is very intense language. I feel like part of that comes from his priestly background in the sense that, okay, you're defiling the thing that I've spent my life studying and and working to maintain. Yeah. Well, I'm less impressed by Leviticus, but I was very impressed by Ezekiel's visual aids. And you Mm. brought up one of them when you're talking about him baking the bread. Uh, Actually, Ezekiel bread has become quite famous. Uh, Supposedly, it's very healthy, but the actual illustration was making like people under siege, which he is seeing mm. is going to happen to Jerusalem, they're mm. making bread out of odds and ends mm-hmm. that they could find mm. around. And so he is acting out what being under siege would right. be like. And that's not his yeah. only visual aid. He has some others also. Yes. I mean, Jeremiah does that as well um, in going in for uh, symbolic acts like that, that embody something like the potter. For the pot, for instance. Mm. So they both do do that, but but again, as those examples show, uh, and when he when he lies on his side for three hundred sixty five days or however long it was, I and mean, whether he did it for the whole time, whether he did it for half an hour each morning, I, I, I or he had one of those flip over <laughs> columns, just did it for, I don't know. But whatever it is, it's 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 um it's very um, imaginative stuff, and you know if anything can get through to these people then surely Ezekiel will, will get through to them, but but he doesn't. Yes, it seems to be like he's inviting people to come up and say, what are you doing are and you doing? why yeah, are so- you doing that? Huh. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
So he's doing that for um, the the book neatly divides into two, uh, one to twenty four and twenty five to two forty eight, uh, and um, again it illustrates the overlap but also the difference in relation to Jeremiah, because it means that because halfway through is when Jerusalem actually falls. Uh, so the first half of the book is in preparation for the falling, and the second half of the book is mm. in preparation for the restoring afterwards. And therefore, the balance between the two, between the two is Jeremiah is, is kind of ninety percent preparing them for the bad news and ten percent good news, whereas Ezekiel is sort of fifty fifty. Uh, and and so a change comes about at that stage in the book, and instead of Ezekiel. Uh, telling people there's there's bad news and they don't believe him, he's telling people there's good news and they won't believe him. Because the the definition of being a prophet is telling people the opposite to what they think. Right. Uh, and and so you're always in trouble because either you'd given them bad news and they don't believe it, or you've given them good news and they don't believe it. Um, but at that point, when 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 the news arrives uh, from Jerusalem that uh, that the city has fallen. That's when you have to read Lamentations. Mm. Um, the, because Lamentations is a set of five poems, prayers, which are the prayers, poems that people were praying in, that, in those circumstances immediately after, well, for a decade or three, um, after the fall of Jerusalem in 587. Okay. The reason why they are placed where they are in English Bibles is because they came traditionally to be attributed to Jeremiah. Uh, so in the King James Bible, it says at the top, the, the Lamentations of Jeremiah. It doesn't say that in a modern Bible, and it doesn't say that in the Hebrew Bible. Um, it was, uh, it, I mean, I think a lot with the Bible. Most of the Bible is anonymous, but um, people couldn't kind of live with that. They wanted to know who wrote it. <laughs> so they had to dream who might have written it. Yes, yes. So they jumped up Jeremiah for Lamentations, which, which made quite good sense. So, I mean, it's, um, Jeremiah would have no quarrel with Lamentations, and Lamentations would have no quarrel with Jeremiah. Um, but they are uh, simply poems, prayers, uh, that somebody or some people uh, wrote in that, in that time after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 in which they were expressing to themselves and to one another and to God um, how grim the situation was and when is, God, when is God going to do something about it and that kind of thing. Talk to me some about some of Ezekiel's visions. Was it common for the prophets to have these bizarre visions? His <laughs> um, are more bizarre uh, than most Um more, yeah, they're more or less more more bizarre. Yeah, they're pretty much more the bizarre than anybody apart from Daniel, um, possibly apart from Daniel. Uh, and I presume, although you you although you're right that that in a way they that the prophets all say the same sort of thing, they are all um, individuals. They're different individuals, um, and they. Um, picture things in different ways and they write in different ways. They have different sorts of poetic gifts uh, and so on. And um, in each case, therefore, well, one of the paradoxical things about it is these are God's words. God gave them the words. And yet you can tell that the words are coming via the human beings. They're coming via the personalities uh, of these different individuals. They are, you, you, um, when you, you couldn't, as you've just implied, you couldn't mix up, say, Ezekiel with Amos. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they were different sorts of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so presumably, I don't know. My, my wife is, a very, uh, is very imaginative. Uh, she has a very vivid imagination. And I, Ezekiel, she's much more, um, we often joke about this, you know, she, she's, um, she's much more imaginative than I am. She makes up stories all the time, as it were. When she sees people going past their apartment, just sort of uh, looking at them, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's always making stories about them. Right, right. I mean, some people are like that. Uh, and uh, Ezekiel, I presume, has this God-given but unique to Ezekiel and human imagination, which comes out in the way that he pictures things, which therefore, which in that way makes him different from Isaiah or uh, Jeremiah. Yes, I have to say that the first vision where we go into endless detail about these cherubs with their wheels and how the wheels yeah. turned, yeah. that one didn't impress me nearly as much as the Valley of the Dry Bones. Mm. Now, that yeah. one was yeah. really evocative for me. I yeah. could picture it. I could understand the point he was trying to yeah. make. Let me, two th- let me tell you two things, though, about that first vision. About Yeah. The first is that... Uh, it's supposed to be a vision of God, but there's virtually no vision of God in it. And so in an extraordinary way, what it does is bring home the transcendence and the, of God. Uh, that all you, can think, all you can do with God is think about the platform, the chariot the, uh, upon which he's riding. Uh, and that, and that's, very, that's very profound. Uh, the other thing is that, that here is uh, Ezekiel amongst these people who have been taken off into Babylon. And who knows whether God is going to have anything to do with them? Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and they've been taken off into Babylon because of God's um, acting in punishment upon his people. So, so maybe, 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 they're, maybe they're simply lost. And that God should appear in that way to Ezekiel is fantastic. <laughs> that God should be still wanting to relate to them and, um, and work with them. So although it is extremely odd... It's really actually very profound. Mm-hmm. It's it's that ongoing sort of mixture in the prophets of hope and judgment, almost intertwined yeah. so much that you can't yeah. betwixt it. It's uh, yeah. At one on one hand, God is judging the the actions of the people in Jerusalem. We see that in the temple visions, and yet at the same time, God's giving these visions of, "But I'm with you, and I'm engaging yeah. with you." And what seems utterly hopeless, like not only bones, but dry bones, bleached bones, Mm -hmm. that God is able to bring them to life again. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Why are there so many chapters in Ezekiel talking about bad things God is going to do to other countries? Right. Now, now those come, uh, it's significant that those come um, immediately after, after that halfway point in the book. Uh, that is, they're, they're in 25 to 32 or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the significance of that is that there can, there can only be good news for Judah about it being possible for them to go back and start again if their oppressors, the people who've taken them off into exile, are put down. And so that's true um, in Isaiah, it's true in Jeremiah, it's true in Ezekiel, that, that the imperial power needs to be put down in order for a little power like Judah to be able to have its freedom again. One of the things that's really, that's also frightening uh, and important as an angle for us in reading this stuff is that we tend to, we tend to identify with Israel, with, with Judah. But, but in the prophets, in the Old Testament generally, 
we aren't Judah or Israel. We are Babylon. You're America, I'm Britain. We had an empire, you had an empire. We need to see ourselves as a big power, and Judah is one of those little powers, and see that in order for the little countries to be able to have their freedom, uh, the empire had to be put down. Uh, and that, that's part of what's going on uh, with those um, uh, prophecies about the other nations. There are two sorts of reasons for those passages about the, um, the nations. And there's something, the, the other reason uh, helps a bit with that. That is that although uh, some of those promise, prophecies about other nations uh, are about um, Israel's oppressors, not exactly Israel's enemies, uh, they are, but, but more the oppressors, um, but but quite often the those prophecies are not are about nations that are nothing to do with Israel at all. And so what they're then doing is is pointing out to Israel that their God is bigger than they think, and that He is also the God of the entire world, the God of all the nations. Uh, and uh, and even when they are declaring um, that God is going to put down, uh, other powers than Israel and Judah put put these other powers down. Quite often, before you get to the end, there's a message of um, mercy and compassion and restoration for those other peoples as well. Okay. And so we, as the imperial powers, um, as it were, in the 21st century, um, uh, can, as it were, claim God's mercy for all the nations um, as something that we might uh, plead with God to show. To us. Okay, so now I'm come around to kind of like the positioning of those chapters in the middle, because we started out with talking about the upcoming destruction of Jerusalem. Every, it's not going to get better. It's going to get much worse, and it's going to be many years before you'll be able to be able to go back and rebuild. And then we have chapters that talk about other countries that show God's sovereignty, but also his mercy. And then we end the book with a lot of talking about God's power and mercy as it's going to apply to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews, as they're going to be able to go back and create a new Jerusalem which is another of Ezekiel's visions of what that new Jerusalem is going to look like. Actually, they're not going to create the new Jerusalem because they're not Americans. I mean, you're Americans and you think you have to do everything, you know. Um, How? <laughs> but, but in Ezekiel 40 to 48, they don't do anything. God does it. Okay. Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really there about what they do at all. It's all about. I mean, the dry. If you're dry bones, you, you know you can't you can't bring yourself back to life. <laughs> Our thanks to John for his kind spirit, his sincerity, and his humor. The latter third of this episode was a reminder that so often we read the Bible from the position of Judah and Israel and the good guys who receive the blessings, when in reality, in if these same stories were being told today, we would likely be receiving more judgment than we would be blessing. And it's a calling to self-awareness and action to resist those forces and systems that would treat others the way the prophets accuse the other nations of treating Israel. So it's a lot to think about this week. We're still worshiping online Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. 
You can join us on Facebook or at hydeparkumc.org forward slash live. You can also connect with us on this journey through the Bible by joining our Facebook group. You can search for The Bible Project 2020 and request to join. Jill Kranz produced this episode. I'm Matt Hotho. See you next week.